0: I'm going to read from Matthew chapter 1 to continue the series that we've been teaching for the last couple of weeks. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. 1 John 3, 8, the last part of the verse says, For this purpose was the Son of God manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Now, here's my question. Why? Why was Jesus born into the earth? If, uh, if things work the way that most of the church world seems to think they do, that God is all-powerful and he's sovereign and he can do anything he wants to, anytime he wants to, why did he have to send Jesus? Why didn't God just declare in heaven that man gets a do-over why didn't he just push, push the giant reset button and say that sins were wiped out? He realized that man just made a mistake out of ignorance and caused man to be redeemed once again as in the beginning. Why do he have to send Jesus? Well, the answer is given to us in the Scripture, and it's unfortunately unrealized by so much of the church world. But in Genesis 1, God said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness and let them have dominion over all the things of the earth, over all the works of God's hands. It is an undisputed fact, though barely realized, but it's an undisputed fact that God created man for one and only one purpose, and that is to have dominion on the earth. Now, what does that mean? That means if man has dominion on the earth, God doesn't. God didn't say, let us make man in our own image and share in our dominion. But he said, let him have dominion. Wouldn't it have been a nice thing if when Eve was tempted and Adam was standing there and they ate of the, or began to eat of the forbidden fruit, Where God would have stepped in and said, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, don't do that. Slapped the fruit out of his hand. And said, thou shalt not mess up my plan for the earth. Folks, I got to tell you, if God is sovereign, the way that the church world thinks he is. And he didn't do that at that point in time. Then God's not very smart. Because that would have dealt with the situation once and for all. From the beginning. The issue would have been resolved. He could have cast Satan into the lake of fire at that point in time. Man never would have had a problem with sin. But when the Bible says that God gave man dominion over the earth. Man really had dominion. Man meaning God didn't have dominion. Man had it. Now what was God's original plan? We know God doesn't change. So if God's original idea, his original intent was for man to have dominion, what's his intent now? If not for man to have dominion over the earth. Now wait a minute. There are some scriptures we're going to have to reconcile. For example, in Second Corinthians chapter four and verse four it says Satan is the God of this world. What does that mean? How can you how can God have how can man have dominion on the earth if Satan is the God of this world? And there are some other scriptures too. It says in the Psalms that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. So, you got one scripture that says the earth belongs to God. You've got one scripture that says man has been given dominion. You've got one scripture that says that Satan is the God of this world. How can all those be true? Well, very simply, God is the possessor of the earth, He owns it. He created it, it's His, He owns it. And He gave man dominion over what He created. Doesn't mean he lost possession of it. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And there were things regarding the earth that were decreed and declared by God Himself even before man came on the scene. See, when God created man, He created him for one purpose, and that is to have dominion over the earth meaning specifically to carry out God's will here on the earth. God didn't create the earth nor man for man to do with it what he wanted to, and let's see how it turns out. He created man to carry out his will on the earth. Now, that was the kingdom of God or the system whereby the world was created. It was the world system. Now, let me ask you a question. If Satan is the God of this world, is the devil big enough to change God's world system? How could that be? See, there are several words that are used and translated, particularly in the New Testament, for world. One means the planet. The earth, the planet, is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Another word is the word cosmos and it means the world system now is satan the god of this world system no the world system didn't change god's intent was the same now as it was in the beginning and that is for man to carry out his will here on the earth well then what is satan the god of the word that's used and translated world in second corinthians 4 4 where it says Satan is the god of this world, literally means time. Satan is the god of this time period. He's the ruler of this time period. But folks, I want to bring some things to your attention. Remind you of some things, perhaps. Reveal some other things, perhaps. But the only only beings that have any authority on this earth are the ones that were created... Or born into this earth. Even Satan had to borrow the body of an animal to gain influence into the world to bring his deception to Eve. He had to use something that was created by God. Why? Because man has authority on the earth. Man has authority on the earth. It's an interesting thing to me. If you look over in. Uh, Well, let me me turn real quickly to Ezekiel chapter 28. Ezekiel chapter 28 gives us some insight into Satan, his operation in the earth prior to man's creation. Talking about the devil, it says, beginning in verse 12, Son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord God, thou sealest up the sum, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Well, he can't be talking about a man. He's talking about the devil. Now, when was the devil in Eden, the garden of God? Well, it's easy to say that he's talking about when he deceived Eve. And got Adam to go along with her, what she was deceived about. But that's not what's described here. Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering, the sardius, the topaz, the diamond, the barrel, the onyx, the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, and the carbuncle, and gold. The workmanship of thy tabrets and of thy pipes was created in thee in the day that thou was created. So notice it's talking about the creation of Satan who was Lucifer to begin with. Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth, and I have set thee so. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. Thou wast perfect in thy ways from the day that thou was created till iniquity was found in thee. Now, that's not the way Satan appeared when he came to Adam and Eve in the garden. He's talking about something prior to the creation account in Genesis. He's talking about the operation of Lucifer here on the earth. In some age, sometime prior to the Genesis 1 account. Now it tells us some things about what Satan said and what caused him to fall. Um, well, let me just keep reading verse 16. By the multitude of thy merchandise... They have filled the midst of thee with violence, and thou hast sinned. Therefore, I will cast thee as profane out of the mountain of God. Now notice this is God saying something he's going to do. I will cast thee as profane out of the mountain of God. I will destroy thee. There are five I wills that God says in this and five I wills that Satan said about this. I will cast thee as profane out of the mountain of God. And I will destroy thee, O covering cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. Thine heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. Thou hast corrupted thy wisdom by reason of thy brightness. I will cast thee to the ground. I will lay thee before kings that they may behold thee. Thou hast defiled thy sanctuaries by the multitude of thine iniquities, by the iniquity of thy traffic. Therefore, I will bring forth a fire from the midst of thee, It shall devour thee, and I will bring thee to ashes upon the earth in the sight of all them that behold thee. All they that know thee among the people shall be astonished at thee. Thou shalt be a terror, and never shalt thou be any more. Now get this, folks. God is saying that he will do things. Some of those things have already been done. He's already been cast out of the, uh, the holy mountain of God. But some of those things have not yet been done. Satan has not been destroyed. He's not been brought to ashes. The fire hasn't come from the midst of him to bring about his destruction. So there were things that God said and declared that would be, and even the laying thee before the kings, he's talking about the kings of the earth, the kings of our earth. It's got to be. So there are things that God declared and decreed about Satan that have not yet come to pass. There are things that he's declared and decreed about what he will do to Satan that predetermines that certain things have to happen and that have to occur on the earth. In other words, my point is very simply this. God has declared what the end of the earth is going to be even before he created man and put man on the earth. Now, if the earth belongs to God, if the planet is his, and he's already decided and decreed that this is how it's going to end up. Then God is perfectly within his rights and within his authority to keep man from to from keep to keep man from taking the earth in some direction or bringing the earth to some destruction that would prevent his word from coming to pass. Now that's the reason why you see God operating in the Old Testament in certain ways the majority of the Christian world claims is the sovereignty of God. For example, when God destroyed the earth with a flood in Noah's day, it was because the earth was full of wickedness. Apparently, if God hadn't brought about the flood, then man would have destroyed the earth and nullified his plan, God's plan, for the end of the age. So he destroyed the earth in a flood and started over. The destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah apparently, was to keep mankind from destroying the earth, bringing destruction, allowing sin to have such a foothold that it would bring destruction upon the earth to keep his word from coming to pass. The same thing is probably true where the Tower of Babel is concerned because their intent was to make a pathway to God to make themselves as God. Now, those are the three main times that I'm aware of where God operated in what the church world calls a sovereign manner. And each one of those was to keep the earth from being destroyed, to keep his word from coming to pass about how the earth is going to end up. Now, the reason for that is because the earth is the Lord's. The planet is his. But man still has authority. Man has been given authority on the earth. So what is Satan the God of? Satan is the God of this time. It's an interesting thing. You'll find it in Matthew chapter 5. I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 13 and Mark chapter 5. About where Jesus came to the madman of Gadara. And the evil spirits in that man, nobody could tame him. You remember the story about how he'd been bound with chains many times and broken them apart. Supernatural strength. Not godly strength, but supernatural strength. And the evil spirits, when they saw Jesus, came running before him and said something very interesting. They said, we know who thou art, the son of God. Art thou come to torment us before the time? Folks, you need to be aware of something. The number one thing on the mind of the devil and evil spirits is their time that is coming. And most people, when we think about the devil, we think about what a problem he is for us in our lives. But when the devil thinks about what the devil is thinking about, is his time that is coming. Because the I will of God, where it says, I will destroy thee and bring thee to ashes and lay thee before the kings of the earth. Those things are really going to happen at a specific and set time. And the devil knows so. And it's an interesting thing to me how that the devil, meaning the evil spirits that were in people on several occasions, came to Jesus and said, art thou come to torment us before the time? That seems to be at the first in front of their mind. I think it would serve us well to think about the devil according to his time that's coming. So what does that mean? That means that the devil knows he doesn't have authority in the earth unless he can use somebody to influence. Why? Because man was given authority on the earth. Man was given authority on the earth. But in the same way, God is very limited to what he can do, too, without getting somebody to yield to his influence. Because man has authority on the earth. Now turn with me over to John chapter 10. Don't forget my original question. Why did Jesus have to come to the earth? Why was the plan of redemption centered around Jesus becoming man? Or the word of God becoming flesh? John chapter 10, Jesus says something very interesting. And it's uh, significant to me that John tells us. These things and none of the other gospel writers do. I've said this before, but in case you uh, weren't here with us. The gospel of John is uh, kind of a. A wrap up gospel, if you will. It was written some 60 years or so. After the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus. It was written many years, several decades after the last gospel account was written it's almost like it fills in the blanks on some areas. John, who was an eyewitness to Jesus' earthly ministry, tells us some things and relates some things and gives us details. In other cases, he gives us details about things that the other gospel writers wrote about that that they omitted, that they didn't know or didn't relate. In other cases, he tells us things that the other gospel writers doesn't refer to at all. This is one of those times. And Jesus said in John chapter 10, beginning in verse 1, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. Uh, there's no question that the thief and a robber that he's talking about is Satan. So Jesus thought it was important enough to tell us something about Satan and the way that he operates to help us walk in victory. And John was inspired by the Holy Ghost, who saw the importance of it, to give us an account. So he said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber, but he that enters in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. So verse 1 is obviously talking about the devil. Verse 2 is obviously talking about Jesus. And notice what he's relating that to. And that is the entrance or the entering in of the door into the sheepfold. Now, what's the sheepfold? Well, the psalmist, David said in the Psalms, inspired by God, that we are the sheep of his pasture. So the sheepfold has to be the earth. That's where we are, isn't it? It It's on the earth. So the sheepfold has to be the earth. So Jesus is saying, he that enters into the earth... By some way other than the door is a thief and a robber. But he that enters in by the door into the earth is the shepherd of the sheep. Now what's the entrance into the earth? Being born into the earth. Natural birth. So he's saying very simply this. He's saying of himself, I, Jesus, am here legally. The devil is not. He's here for one purpose, and that is to kill, to steal, and to destroy, because he's a thief and a robber. So Jesus is saying his legal right to operate here on the earth is because he was born of a woman. Again, remember, God made man to have authority on the earth. That's why Jesus had to become a man, so that he had legal authority to operate here on the earth. Now, the virgin birth is important because if he had been born of a man and a woman and God just tagged him and said, well, I'll just put my son in, in that body. According to Romans chapter 5 and verse 12, he would have born, been born into spiritual death. The only way that the, the spiritual death that had passed upon all the, all mankind through Adam's sin in the Garden of Eden was to bypass The man himself. So the Holy Ghost. Overshadowed Mary. She was born. She was found. Pregnant of the Holy Ghost. She conceived. The word was made flesh. Literally. Think about this. Literally. Not figuratively. Not symbolically. But literally. Mary's willingness to receive the word of God. Caused the word of God to penetrate the veil. Between spirit and the spirit realm and the natural realm to create a child inside of her. Simple faith. She said, be it unto me according to your word. She didn't have to try to figure it out. She asked a question about how. The angel said, the Holy Ghost will overshadow you. That's not a whole lot of detail, folks. but it was enough for her. She simply said, be it unto me according to your word. I'll accept that. I'll receive that. That simple faith penetrated the the physical realm from the spirit realm. So Jesus, therefore, was able to be born of the Holy Ghost and Mary, which gave him legal entry into the earth. When the angels are singing at the birth of Jesus, when he was laid in a manger, the significance is now man can regain his rightful place of authority for the purpose of carrying out the will of God on the earth. For the purpose of carrying out the will of God on the earth. So what does that mean? Well, the Bible says in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 5 and 6, it says that Jesus emptied himself of his heavenly power and glory. I want you to look with me over to John chapter 17. I want you to see something. John chapter 17 is the night that Jesus is betrayed. Again, John is filling in the blanks on some things that the other gospel accounts leave out. John tells us about the prayer that Jesus prayed before he was taken captive. Betrayed and taken captive. This is the prayer that he prayed. Let me just start in verse 1. These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said. Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy son that thy son may also glorify thee. As thou hast given him power over all flesh that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. And now, Father, please notice verse 5. And now, Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. Let me read that again. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. Now, let me point some things out here, folks, about this. First of all, Jesus is saying that he had a power and a glory before the creation of the world that he didn't have here on the earth. Let me say it this way. That means, therefore, that Jesus could not have been operating on the earth doing signs and wonders and miracles, healing the sick, multiplying loaves and fishes, walking in the water, and so forth. He could not have been doing those things with the glory of God as being the Son of God. This could not have been the glory that he possessed before the world was as the Son of God that was the source of these miracles. Jesus said so himself. That stands to reason because we've already referred to Philippians chapter 2 where it says that before Jesus came to the earth, he emptied himself of his heavenly power and glory. That has to be the glory that he had with the Father before the world was. That's what he laid aside. That's what he gave up to come to the earth and become a man. Well, then if he's not operating on the earth as the Son of God in glory or the glory of the Son of God, then what's he operating in? What's he operating in? Folks, I want to submit something else to you for your consideration. And that is this. If Jesus was operating on the earth, as most of the church world seems to think that he was, if he was operating on the earth as the Son of God in power... then he's something much more than just a human. And it would have been the same thing as God operating illegally to usurp the authority of man. Yet we see in Jesus' life and ministry that it was only when he was 30 years of age, after he was baptized by John in the Jordan River and the Holy Ghost descended on him in bodily shape as a dove, that the power of God began to be manifest in him. Well, Why didn't he do any miracles when he was 12? He was the son of God then, wasn't he? Why didn't he do any miracles when he was 20? He was the son of God at age 20, wasn't he? Why didn't he do any miracles at age 25? Wasn't he the son of God then too? Why was it only when he turned 30 and was baptized by John in the Jordan River that the miracles began to occur? Because that's when the power of God came upon him. If he emptied himself of his heavenly power and glory like the Bible says. Then that means he was operating on the earth prior to the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Just like you and me. I mean really as a man. Divine yes. Because he had not been affected by sin. But just as a man. But then when the Holy Ghost came upon him the power of God settled in and stayed and remained. And that's when the healing miracles and power took place, signs and wonders and such. Now, here's another question I've got for you, and I say for you, I literally mean for the church world. And that is, if Jesus was here on the earth in divine power as the Son of God, why would he need to be anointed? And even further than that, Who would anoint God? If Jesus is operating on the earth and and the power that he has as the son of God. Where would he need to go to get us to to find something that would anoint him? In the power that he would hold as the son of God. Great enough and superior to any other anointing that could come. Who could anoint God himself? But if he was operating on the earth as a man. then that means he would be as helpless. To perform a miracle. Without the power of God as you or I would be. Therefore he would need to be the anointed of God. To begin to do the miracles. Now that's what Jesus said of himself. After he was anointed of the Holy Ghost, it tells us that early in his ministry, he went to Nazareth in Luke chapter 4 and began to preach, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me. He didn't say, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because I'm the Son of God. He said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because I'm anointed. And then he told what he was anointed to do to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the sick. To preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Jesus said those things were able or within his power because of the anointing, not because he was the Son of God. Now turn with me over to Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11. And I promise I'm not going to the scripture you think I am. Notice in verse 27. And they came again to Jerusalem, and as he was walking in the temple, there came to him the chief priests and the scribes and the elders, the religious crowd. And they said unto him, By what authority doest thou these things? Notice what their question is. What authority enables you to do these things, healings, miracles, and such? And who gave you this authority to do these things? They want to know two things. They want to know what the authority is that he's operating in and where did he get it? Jesus asked them a question. He said, Jesus answered and said, I will also ask of you one question and you answer me and I'll tell you by what authority I do these things. You answer me and I'll answer you the baptism of John was it from heaven or of men answer me now that's a problem for them and the Bible explains why they reasoned within themselves saying if we shall say from heaven he'll say why did you not believe him there's no way for them to answer that but if we say of men they feared the people for all men counted John that he was a prophet indeed and they answered and said unto Jesus we cannot tell And Jesus answering said unto them, Neither do I tell you by what authority I do these things. Now Jesus isn't trying to make anything plain unto people that rejected him. Remember he said to his disciples, Unto you it's given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but not to them that are without. And that's why I'm teaching in parables. God won't withhold anything to those that receive him. But he doesn't give anything up to those that won't. So Jesus asked them a question. Tell me about John the Baptist and I'll answer you. Well, they were unwilling to answer. It's not that they didn't have an opinion. But they were unwilling to answer. Now, the reality is this. Excuse me. The reality is this. The answer to Jesus' question was the answer to their question. So let's consider Jesus' question. The baptism of John. Was it of men or was it of heaven? Well, what do we know about the baptism of John? The Bible tells us that John went about preaching repentance, telling people to repent. Because there was one coming after him, speaking of Jesus, that would save the people from their sins. In Acts chapter 19, Paul, on his way to Ephesus, his first journey into Ephesus, finds some people that were baptized by John or baptized under John's baptism. We don't know if John did it specifically or if it came about some other way. But Paul finds some people there that he thinks are born again. So he asks them a question, Acts 19. He asks them a question. He said, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? There was something about the way these people acted. Something about the way they were living that caused Paul to think that they had been born again. So his concern for them was, have you been empowered by the Holy Ghost? They said, we've never heard of the Holy Ghost. Then Paul questions further. He says, under what then are you baptized? And they said, under John's baptism. And then Paul responded, well, John baptized with the baptism of repentance. Saying there was one that was coming after him. Then he told them about Jesus. They were born again. He baptized them again. And then laid hands on them and they received the Holy Ghost. So what do we know about John's baptism from this? John's baptism was not sufficient for the new birth. Which means it couldn't have been from heaven. So Jesus questioned the baptism of John. Was it of men or was it from heaven? It was of men. Now don't think that means it was not significant. Don't th- think that means it was not important. But it wasn't from heaven. It was the best you could have under the old covenant. But it was still of men. What is the baptism from heaven? That which Paul tried to bring him and did bring to the people of Ephesus. The baptism of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost comes from heaven. Repentance doesn't come from heaven. It comes from man. But was John just an ordinary man? We know a lot about his birth. How the angel came to his father Zacharias. Told him about the birth of the son that was to come. Zacharias wouldn't believe what the angel told him. And so the angel had to shut his mouth until the baby was born. We know that it was a supernatural birth because Elizabeth, John's mother, was beyond childbearing years or childbearing age. So it wasn't a natural occurrence. Jesus said of John that there was nobody under the old covenant that was greater than John as a prophet. Now that encompasses a lot of people. Moses, for example. Jesus said John the Baptist was a greater prophet than Moses. What about Ezekiel and Elijah and Isaiah and Elijah? What about those guys that did signs and wonders and miracles? Jesus said John the Baptist was the greatest of them all because of the message that he had to proclaim. He was the forerunner of Jesus. So he certainly was not an ordinary man. What can we say about John? Well, we would have to conclude at the very least that even though John... The baptism that he preached was a baptism of men. He was certainly anointed of God to do so. So the answer to Jesus' question about the baptism of John would very simply be this. John was a man anointed of the Holy Ghost. Remember why Jesus asked him the question? Because the religious leaders had questioned him. By what authority doest thou these things? And who gave it to you? Well, what's the answer? Jesus was a man anointed of the Holy Ghost. A man, a human being anointed of the Holy Ghost. Now, folks, if Jesus' anointing, the power of God that was on Jesus, was on him because he was the son of God, as most of the church world thinks it was, then how could he give it to others who are not the sons of God? The astonishing truth is this Jesus did not come to the earth to show us how the Son of God operated on the earth. He showed us how a man with the life of God within, anointed of the Holy Ghost, is supposed to live. You know why? Because you're the same man with the life of God and the anointing of the Holy Ghost. He's the example we're to follow. Now, let me close with this. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 28. Let's start reading in verse 16. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, this is after the resurrection, when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Now, this word power is not the word ability, it's the word authority. It would be better translated, all authority is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Now why in the world is Jesus saying just before he was caught up into heaven, why is he saying all authority is given unto me in heaven and earth? I mean, that's a good thing to know he's got it. We know he obtained it because he was a man, a righteous man here on the earth, operating under the authority of man that was given unto mankind in the beginning. He poured out his blood, righteous blood, sinless blood, to obtain eternal redemption for you and me. Then he was raised from the dead, spiritual death, The Bible says he was the firstborn from the dead. That can't be physical death because he had already raised Lazarus and other people who have been raised too before him. So the death, it's talking about is spiritual death. Jesus was the first one that was born again from spiritual death, from death unto life. Now he comes back to the earth in his redeemed body. He said it's a flesh and bone body, not a flesh and blood body, because the life is in the blood. The life, human life is in the blood. So he's got a flesh and bone body. Now, this flesh and bone body can do miraculous things. It walked through the walls. How does flesh and bone walk through walls? I don't have an answer for that one. Do you? His glorified body was not subject to the physical laws of nature. But it's also another interesting thing to realize. That Jesus did no miracles after he was raised from the dead. Now if you were the Lord. And you wanted everybody to know. I mean let's face it. You just paid for the sins of the world. You just saved the world from their sins and you're coming back to the earth to show your disciples that you've been raised from the dead, wouldn't you want to do something and make a big splash? I mean, to appear in the temple then, to the very people that put you on the cross, if nothing more than to make a walkthrough. But even more than that, to heal the sick to perform a couple of miracles then. Raising Lazarus was the one that tipped the religious leaders, the chief priests and the religious leaders over the edge. Raising somebody from the dead then would have really made an impact. Why didn't he? Because Jesus, in his glorified body, flesh and bone body, was no longer authorized as a man to operate on the earth. Because the life of the flesh is in the blood. He didn't have any. Now, some would say, no, wait a minute, Pastor Mike. He did perform a miracle with the disciples when he gave them the miracle catch of fish. Well, all he did was tell them where the fish were. He said, throw your net out on the other side. So, that doesn't really qualify for a miracle. Divine knowledge, perhaps. But not a miracle. Why didn't Jesus do any miracles after his resurrection? Because he's no longer authorized as a man with authority on the earth. Now in connection with Matthew 28. That's very significant. Because he says all authority is given unto me in heaven and in earth. What good is his authority here on the earth if he can't use it? None. Unless he can get somebody, maybe those that are considered to be the body of Christ, to exercise the authority that he was given in his stead. That's why he told them, go into all the world. I've got the authority. You're the ones that are to use it in my place. So go into all the world. The works that I do shall you do also. And even greater works shall you do because I go unto my Father. Now folks, realize the condition that you are in and that I'm in. We've been made righteous by the blood of Jesus. The righteousness of God is what we've been made. That means we're in the same condition as Jesus was when he was here on the earth. And that which was born back unto... At the resurrection. We have the same Holy Ghost. The same baptism of the spirit. Maybe anointed to do different things. You're anointed to do one thing. Empowered by the Holy Ghost to do one thing. I'm anointed or empowered to, by the Holy Ghost to do something else. But it's the same Holy Ghost. It's the same power. No wonder Jesus said the works that I do show you do also. No wonder. He said, even greater works than these shall you do because they go unto my Father. Because when he went back to his Father, he was restored to the glory that he had with the Father before the world was. That glory that he laid aside to come to the earth and be a man. Jesus authority already on the earth. was because he was in the same condition as you. I'll close with one last scripture, John chapter five. John chapter five, look it with me to verse twenty six. For as the Father has life in himself, so is he given to the Son to have life in himself. In other words, Jesus is saying, I was created in the image of God. His life is my life. Verse 27. And God has given him, Jesus, authority to execute judgment also because he is the Son of man. Now remember where we started 1 John chapter 3 and verse 8, the last part of the verse says, For this purpose was the Son of God manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Destroying the works of the devil was the execution of Jesus' judgment. He didn't come to judge man. He came to judge the devil in sin. So if we substitute those two meanings, those two phrases, God has given Jesus authority, to destroy the works of the devil because he's the son of man. Not the son of God because he's the son of man. Well, if we're to do the same works as Jesus and Jesus was given authority to execute judgment or destroy the works of the devil because he's the son of man, what do you think you and I are supposed to do? Destroy the same works of the devil. Why? Because now we're the men and the women on the earth that have been given authority. We're the ones who have the life of God within us. We're the ones who've been anointed and empowered by the Holy Ghost to do the same work that Jesus did while he was here. We're the ones that Jesus said, Take my authority and go into all the world to execute judgment, not on mankind but to destroy the works of the devil. Folks, that's why the angels were singing in the heavens when Jesus was born. Because now God has come to the earth, emptied himself of his heavenly power and glory, but come to the earth to be a righteous man, to execute judgment upon the works of the devil, to carry out God's will and plan and purpose on the earth. And that's what you're to do in me. That's what you and I are to do too. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the authority that we have in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you that we have the same life that Jesus had, the same life that is in you. We thank you, Father, that we've been given the same authority to destroy the works of the devil. As the Amplified says, to loosen and undo and dissolve the works of the devil. We thank you, Lord, for the price that you paid, the sacrifice that you made for us. We thank you, Lord, for the authority that you delivered unto us. We declare that we've been made the righteousness of God by the precious blood of Jesus. We declare that we are the healed of God by the precious blood of Jesus. We declare that we are the prosperous of God by the precious blood of Jesus. And we declare that the same authority that Jesus had on the earth is ours. We declare that the same power that Jesus operated by is ours. We declare that the enemy is broken, the power of the enemy is broken over our lives. We declare that we've been set free and whom the sun sets free is free in every respect. Every area. We declare. That we perform the works of Jesus here on the earth. By the power of the Holy Ghost that's upon us. And the life of God that's within us. Sickness we command you to go. Disease be dissolved. In Jesus name. Poverty and Lack. Go in the name of Jesus. Depression. Be broken in the name of Jesus. We worship you Lord Jesus. We magnify you for you. Who you are and what you've done. Satan we serve notice on you. Though you may be the God of this time. Your time is coming up. So we declare that you have no power or authority over us. We refuse to yield our bodies to your influence. We refuse to yield our minds to your influence. We declare that we've been freed by the power of God. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name in Jesus name folks it's a simple recognition and acceptance of that truth that causes you to walk in freedom because it is true let's all stand together and let's lift our hands and thank God for the authority that we have in the name of Jesus Jesus is your example on how to live on the earth he's your example for how to walk in victory over the earth he's your example for how to defeat the enemy in your life he's your example for how to set others free and he's a perfect example hallelujah Lord we magnify your name we worship you we say even as Mary said Lord be it unto us according as you have spoken be it unto us even as you've spoken be it unto us according to your word We love you, Lord. We magnify your name. Open our eyes to these things, Lord. Cause us to see it and know it. I mean, really see it and know it from within. That the glory of God might be manifest. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, come on back and be with us tonight for Healing School. Don't forget the schedule of services. how it changes this week. Have a great day. We love you. You're dismissed.